Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm very excited today to have uh, the man down in, in Arizona, Brad Martineau from Sixth Division. How are you, Brad? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Hey, man, it's our pleasure having you, and I'm glad you're excited. I'm a little scared, though, because I know when you get excited, uh, you're, you, you're bound to take over a convention center, a stage, and everything. So uh, everybody listening, please keep your hands and legs inside the vehicle at all times, because I think if we can get Brad to be a little passion, just, a, just like an eyedropper full, uh, he starts going, going, it's going to be an exciting time. So Brad, I want you to kind of stretch out, uh, you know, do that move where you kind of crack your neck, like in the, you know, the, the movie when the guy's ready to take on the world. And, uh, I think we'll have a great, a great interview here. You ready? Got it. Yeah. Ready to go. Fantastic. So can you give everybody a little bit of idea of who you are and why you're such a stud and why I would ask you to be on the interview? <laughs> well, how about I'll talk about who I am. And then if you want to add something about why I'm such a stud or why you have me here, you can add that in. Um, uh, okay. We'll do that. <laughs> uh, so yes, my name is Brad Martineau. Um, I'm uh, born and raised in Arizona. I'm growing up. I was a sixth of 10 kids. Uh, right now I'm married. I've got five kids. Uh, their ages this year will, by the end of this year, will be 16 down to eight, um, two girls and then three boys. So that, that occupies a large uh, portion of my life. Um, outside of that, I'm horribly, not horribly, I am beautifully addicted to basketball. Um, I love playing. I'm not really much for watching basketball, but I love playing. I'm actually currently uh, recovering from a knee injury because I went to this old man basketball camp. You got to be 35 or older at the University of Kentucky and a guy rolled on my knee. But anyway, so that also takes another chunk of my life. And then uh, in the business realm where I try and create impact in the, in the world, um, I've got two companies that I own. One of them I'm active in full time called Sixth Division. And uh, what we do is we help entrepreneurs who are looking to create predictability and how they hit their sales goals and how they grow their business. Um, and, and the way we do it is we found that the, the key to being able to do that consistently and predictably has everything to do with uh, the process of how you actually organize your sales and marketing. And for most entrepreneurs that struggle with consistency and results, it's because they also struggle with consistency and how they do the work. And so what we do is we help them come in and organize how they convert leads into clients first. And then we help them organize and create a powerful process for how they organize their efforts on an ongoing basis so that their results are predictable. Um, so that looks like you would, somebody could come work with us and we'd help you put systems and technology in place so that your clients have a better experience. And then also put systems in place so that your team can organize all the ideas that come your way that you want to go implement, but you can never actually get live. We help make all that happen. Um, <laughs> and then the other company is a software company uh, that uh, it's an add on for large CRM platforms. So Infusionsoft, uh, Drip, uh, uh, Entreport, other tools like that, it basically just makes them uh, more powerful. So um, our, our agency here, Sixth Division, uh, we've been around for, we just celebrated our sixth birthday uh, about a month or so ago. Um, and uh, we've grown, you know, we're a multi-million dollar agency. We got 14 or 15 people uh, on board and we, you know, we like to, we like to pretend like we're making an impact and, and uh, serving the world really well. And the software company's doing well as well. So um, yeah, that's about, that's about it as far as, uh, what I have to cool. say about me. 
Well, I, I don't think you like to pretend that you're making an impact. I think you are making an impact, but I'll keep that as my personal opinion. You can have whatever opinion you want. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's interesting. You, you said a couple of things there that all, you're a guy that always got me thinking and, and I appreciate that. And I want to talk a little bit about that today, but you said uh, we put systems in place for small businesses. I think that's one of those sentences that gets just over overlooked and in, in the importance of that, you know, systems in place is a lot different than just systems or tools or technology. And uh, it's like, you know, I remember I walked out into the garage one time uh, when I was a kid and my dad had tools just freaking everywhere because he was trying to, re- he had this old car as a piece of junk um, that he was fixing. And it was like, yeah, you can have those tools. You can have, like, you could have technology, but when they're all over the place, they're not useful. They're not organized. And it's, you know, you're working on the brakes on the front right tire. You got to stand up, walk all the way around the car. Uh, behind the washing machine is the next tool you need, you know, and then it's like, but it's one thing to have tools. It's a whole nother to have them in place. And I think that's what's amazing about what you guys do is putting them in place for people. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and I, I, the, the underlying, like the deeper principle, if we, if we kind of take a, a, a veer off the, the, the road of business for just a second and go to more of like a core philosophical existence type question and not like this is not woo for anyone that's listening, but more the, the underlying principle behind that is I, I fundamentally believe in my, like every single part of me believes that every human being has something um, an impact that they can make in the world. And, and you know, the, the size and the scale doesn't really matter, but we all have something that we are or can be really, really good at and we can serve other people. I actually believe that's why we're here on, on this earth. And um, I believe the thing that gets in the way of us being able to fully realize that impact, whether it's in raising our children, whether it's in creating a business, whether it's in serving in our community, like whatever it is, um, the thing that gets in the way, I, I label it as minutiae, and minutia really boils down to, I believe, two things. Uh, one, I'm aware of like, like, it's like having the tools all over the place, but there's no organization. It's like, I'm aware of all the individual tools that I should be using, but I don't have any organization to how I think about them. And I don't know where to use them and when to use them. And so like the first part is there's a framework, um, like, like the, the first hurdle that people have to get over, in my opinion, to get over minutia. And this applies in like personal, fine, and every single aspect of life is a framework of how to look at the problem or the challenge or the opportunity uh, from a way it will actually serve you. And then the second one is just having a more effective, like, how do I actually go do it? And systems are the antidote to that problem. So what I find is there are a lot of people who could have a bigger impact, let's just say on their children, if they had a better way of handling their personal finances. And because they don't have a better way of handling it, they spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about, thinking about, and trying to organize where they spend their money. As like a very specific example, which takes away from their ability to actually create impact in the world. You get into the business standpoint and it's the same thing. I've got an entrepreneur who's got a valuable service that they're offering and they could offer it to more people and change more people's lives but they can't because they don't understand how to organize their marketing and sales. And they'd also don't understand like how to actually go do the work and get it into place. So, so the deeper, anyway, I'm sort of a tangent, but the deeper principle behind it, go baby, go. The deeper principle behind it for me is I I truly believe that systems and frameworks, and, and I should say that the other, other way, because it's frameworks first and then systems within frameworks is the thing that frees us up so that we have more of ourselves to contribute to the world, which I believe is the only reason, not the only reason, but I believe it's one of the core reasons why we're actually here on the planet is to serve other people. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, to your point, like not, I'll go down this to something that has nothing to do with business, but has everything to do with businesses. You know, I, I remember you saying this a couple of years ago and I, I was sitting there one day, I 
get the boys ready for, I have two boys, get them ready for school, you know, running around. What am I going to have for breakfast? What am I going to have for lunch? And finally, one day I'm just like, you know what? This is stupid. I'm going to just make a menu. So I just sat them down. We made a menu and this is quote, you know, a tiny little system, but we serve the same thing every Monday. We serve the same thing every Tuesday for breakfast, every Wednesday for breakfast, every Thursday for breakfast. And it varies every day, but they have that predictability. And what it did to transform our mornings is instead of the stress of like digging through the refrigerator and what are they going to eat and all this, it's important to me that they eat a hot meal because that's correlated with, you know, graduation and, and grades and all this serving kids a hot meal. But anyways, just sitting down and making that system that's the same every morning totally changed the way I show up in their lives before they leave to school. And it totally changed the tone of which I enter the day after I drop them off. And it was yeah. one of those little things, just it's predictable. It seems boring, but it makes a huge impact. Now, if you scale that up to a macro level, it's unbelievable. Yes. Yes. And yet we had for, we don't use it anymore because we built the rhythm. Like we, it's become, it's become muscle memory, but along the same lines, we have got five kids. We have their pictures down the wall that leads to their, their rooms. And underneath everyone, we had a checklist that ran every single morning. And it was literally like by, uh, we wake them up at 6.30 and by 6.50, your job is to make your bed, get your room clean, get dressed, get your hair done. From 6.50 to 7, it, I forget what it was, and 7 to 7.30 is, oh, it's like say your prayers. And then 7 to 7.30 is um, you got to come to breakfast uh, and you got to converse and eat. And so there was breakfast and then there was things to do after it. And then we went to school and it was, look, this is just how the morning runs. And, and we don't have to use it anymore because it literally is muscle memory. And, you know, I, let me put it this way. If I ever get frustrated in the morning with my kids, it's because we're like a minute late. <laughs> and I have to remember like, man, I think if I saw most people's mornings, my guess is they don't run as smoothly as ours does. And anyway, all of that to really drive home the, the power like the literal, not woo or figurative or theoretical, but the literal power of frameworks and systems to fundamentally transform lives and transform the impact that we can create. So yes to that. Amen. Hashtag yeah. amen. <laughs> I just heard a quote a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's going to be my theme for this year. Uh, a guy was talking about business. He said, habits beat heroes. He's like, every entrepreneur can take heroic efforts to drive their business forward. But you know what? Building habits will beat any hero any day. And I was like, hmm, that's powerful, man. So yeah. All right. So Brad, uh, and you are just a wealth of information and, and inspiration. And I just, but I want to kind of tunnel us towards an idea. So uh, you were the first person on stage. And I've t if anybody's ever read my emails uh, talking about sitting back and hearing about the guy that, uh, you know, hearing about the guy on stage, that was Brad, who was talking to a guy in the crowd about handgun safety. I don't know if you remember this gentleman in San Diego, but yeah, um, yeah talking about core values and why the heck you're in business. Like truly that impact, impact that you're talking about, Brad, why people are in business. Um, what was the first time that you kind of sat back and realized, I don't know if, if this is a way to answer, ask this question properly, but the conversation about core values is usually like, let's be a big, huge company and we know we should have core values. So let's put up posters and let's declare a bunch of crap that we're not going to live up to. We don't even believe, but you know, it will look good to our customers versus what you have learned is actually at the core of business, which we call core values, but core values and core values are not the same thing when we're talking about enterprise level versus mom and pop's hamburger shot, right? Yep, totally. So, so, so what do you think about core values for small businesses? Yeah, so, so one, I think core values is a horrible name. Um, and in my opinion, we ought to just totally change the name of it. Uh, I, I mean, like growing up, I remember reading, well, I shouldn't say growing up. It was like in my early 20s. Well, I guess I was still growing up then, so that technically counts. But, uh, <laughs> but I remember reading like Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I remember hearing about core values. I've been doing a bunch of research on it. 
And, um, and I remember it like people talking about it, like it was this really, really important thing. And then my experience of, of how to define them didn't match what people talked about. Um, what I found is it was like the idea of a, like a value is just a really weird word. It always has been for me, like, what the heck does core value mean anyway? Um, and so with that as a backdrop of not even knowing, like, like, what are we trying to define with a value? Um, it was always weird. And then when you go to, when I, when you go to define it, like, okay, here's the exercise to go through. It's like, this doesn't, it just, it never worked. That was probably the biggest problem is, um, and this is like my MO is I'll go try stuff and it doesn't work. It's like, all right, well, it either means I have the wrong framework or the system I'm using to come up with whatever I'm trying to come up with, uh, is wrong. It's just not good enough. And that was right. my experience for values is that, uh, the framework, meaning the lens that I was using to even look at the idea was off. And then the process that people had taught, uh, was also flawed and it was just, it just didn't work. So, um, so after working with all these businesses over you know, the last six years, uh, what is it like when somebody actually has core values? What is their oh business God. like compared to somebody who doesn't? Uh, literally for me, the business has a soul. Like, and that, again, that may sound uh, weird to people. Um, so I'll try and use some other language around it. Um, no, nah, man, use your language. And I'm going to just put a disclaimer. Anybody who thinks that stuff's weird or that woo-woo or like your personal relationships and your personal beliefs don't affect your business, just get off this podcast now because we're going to go deep here, baby. Like, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. Like, yeah. <laughs> I believe yeah, that those things are connected. The way you show up to your wife is the way you show up to your business, period. It just, it's just 100%. So, that, so, so, that's, so that's, that's the key. Like, the key part there is... Um, that it's not like, so here's what happens. What happens when a business has them? And, and here's the key. It's actually not about having them. We all have them. It's about knowing what they are. So it's actually about the identification of the values in the business. It's not about, do I have them? We all have them. Um, what happens though, like, like I promise if a business feels like a train that's slightly off the tracks, or if your life feels like a train that is slightly off the tracks, you're headed in a direction, but there's a lot of like, something's just not quite right. Um, I would be willing to put money on the fact that it's because you are not operating and behaving in alignment with your values that you already have. And it makes it really, really, really hard, by the way, if you don't know what they are. Um, and, and you have, there, there is some element of you can de decide what you want them to be, um, but I actually believe that that's like maybe 2% of it. 98% of values is you discover what they already are because they've already been created in you. And over time they may adapt, but values are an extension of just fundamentally what you believe about the world. And so it, this is really like values are really more about identity. Like they're about discovering uh, your identity um, and, and the identity of the company. And with the reason why I say the company, when they have them or when they've identified them, the company has a soul is because the company has an identity. Like the company itself stands for something in the same way that, you know, we'll take some cheesy examples, but in the same way that you look at like a, a Nike swoosh symbol and they stand for like, just do it. Um, and, and, and I don't know that, I don't know that like Beats Headphones is trying to do this, but they have one of my favorite commercials that I've ever seen that I actually have in my, it's a, I watch it every morning. Uh, it's called Above the Noise. Have you seen this one? I haven't. Oh, dude, you just Google Above the Noise Beats. It's the four okay. and a half minutes. It's just phenomenal. But, but like this idea, Beats, Beats is like part of their core identity. Like for me, when I think Beats, what their branding is, is like Beats is rise above all the noise in your life and go create something, right? So like there's, but there's an identity to the company and the company has a soul and then everything else that happens in the company can align to that. Uh, it reminds me of a, a quote we have up for one of our, uh, one of our quote unquote values um, that says, in the absence of clearly defined goals, 
uh, and I could just as easily swap out in the absence of a clearly defined identity, quote unquote values, we become strangely loyal to daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. Yeah. So in the absence of an anchor that like holds me in place or in the absence of like a direction of something that I'm trying to go do that I want to stand for, I'm just going to do whatever everybody else is like the, the world is kind of subconsciously telling me I should do. Uh, um, I got another buddy, uh, Chris Smith, who, who calls it the tumbleweed existence. So like the tumbleweed existence is you just go wherever the wind blows. And that's how most businesses operate. It's how most entrepreneurs operate is they're vacillating back and forth a lot because they haven't identified like what is the core of what this company actually is. And then they go create an impact as opposed to trying to find their place. This is like the identification of this is about discovering what your place is and then going in and making that impact as opposed to wondering what it should be and have it change from day to day and week to week and month to month. So that may yeah, have been a, a no, no, no. It's, it's, it's never long enough. We don't have enough time for all of Brad, <laughs> Brad Martino's wisdom here, but you know, a, a common place I tell people to start is, is there something as an employer that, you know, an employee has ever done that has wildly pissed you off and that their excuse for it was, I don't get it. I was only blah, blah, blah. Like if you look at a basketball game or a tennis match, you know, you as a business owner paint the line on the court. You decide where do we go? Where do we not? That's your core value. And when the ball is over the line by even a little bit, that is out of bounds, like out of bounds. There's no argument where the argument comes in. If you ever watch tennis is like, well, was it on the line? Was it before the line? Was it over the line? Like there's all this argument when it's blatantly over. There's no argument when it's blatantly in, there's no argument, but where that line is, is usually where the discussion is. And that's where you as a business owner have to set that freaking line in the sand and say, this is what we do and where we don't, what we don't do. Like we don't do X amount, you know, and people are so, so scared so, to define that. Go ahead. It's, it's so true. And, and I, you alluded to that. We'll get to the idea of, of how to decide and define later. But um, if, if I can't, what, what I want to do is I want to share so, so that this is more a uh, little bit, maybe a little bit more tactical so people can take something away. I'll, I'll give just a couple of thoughts of, how to actually go define it with some of the nuances that I've discovered uh, after working with a bunch of entrepreneurs and, and building my companies. Um, there are some nuances in how you look at the different components to, to define. Let's take this idea of identity and break it down because what people tend, what people traditionally think of um, when they think of values is really only one component of identity. And I want to be clear what I mean by that. When I say what people traditionally think of when they say values, values is a label for a thing, an idea. Um, and that's just the label we're putting on it. That thing that they're describing is a component of identity. Um, so I want to share a couple of different components that make up identity and maybe, maybe talk a little bit about just some lessons I've learned about identifying those things. Yeah, um, let's do it. Hopefully what I can do is create some, some tangible, like, hey, let's go move this forward in a business. So um, I, I believe the, uh, and this, this all comes out of a, um, a thing that I've built that we, we indirectly help our clients with, meaning I don't have like a product or service specifically selling this yet but it's what I built to run my businesses. And when people come out and we help them with their marketing and sales, they're like, Hey, so the rest of this thing that you did, how did you do this? Um, I call it the predictable small business framework. Um, and again, the whole idea is about, I want to create predictability. Like I want to have a predictable morning with my boys so that I can have a greater impact on them. That's the whole idea is I want this business to be predictable because then we as humans can create a bigger impact. So predictable small business framework and the components of it uh, that relate to um, that relate to identity, the very foundational one, and when I say foundational, I mean, um, I'm going to stack a couple of these on top of each other. And as I stack them, the, the key to recognize is that when I say foundational, I mean, once I decide what the foundation is, that limits everything I can put on top of it. In the same way that if I'm building a house and I pour a foundation that will serve a, a 4,000 square foot house or a 2,000 square foot house, um, 
then I, like my options are limited. I can no longer build a single story, 6,000 square foot house. It would have to be a two, you know what I mean? Like my options yeah. start to become limited based on the foundation. So the key here is you decide these and I'm going to, I'm going to roll them. I'll just describe them in order. And once you have those all done, the combination of all of those as a foundation, it immediately eliminates only about millions of options of what you could go do in your business, because now you have a guiding principle that has you not get stuck. Like I talked about daily trivia. It's like, no, no, I know who I am. I know how we operate. I know how this is going to run. And now I, I've eliminated all the decisions that I don't even need to consider because they don't fit within this foundation. Just like every morning at breakfast, you no longer had to consider the other 800 million meals you could have made because you picked five for the week, right? So that's the idea. So foundational idea is the return. And when I say the return, what I mean is what does the business have to provide to the entrepreneur in order for the business to actually work? Um, and most people don't have this defined and written and documented. They have it loosely defined in their brain because that's a way that we can hedge against actually deciding. And we'll talk about deciding later, but when it's in my mind, it can kind of morph and evolve. And I forget when I write it down, I actually have to hold, I can, I can actually hold myself accountable to it. So um, the return for me is across a couple of different categories. Uh, the, there are a couple of subcomponents of of coming up with the return. The first one is uh, income. So what kind of money do I want this to make now? Uh, or do, do I want this to make in order for it to work? And the, the thing I would throw in when you're going to go define income is you have to be really careful that you're not like, for me, if I ever take somebody through this exercise and they give me a number, which they always like, so how much does this need to pay you? Oh, and they give me a number, whatever. <laughs> just more, uh, more, I don't know, just enough to be comfortable. Just to, yeah, I just, yes. I just want enough to get by. Yeah. So, so my next question is cool. Um, where's your budget? I want to know where the money goes when you have that money. And if you don't have a budget, then you can't give me that number. Um, so, so the first thing is like, you literally have to have your budget. Like, let's say, let's say, I don't know, somebody's making a hundred grand right now. They're like, I want this thing. I want to be able to take home uh, 250 grand or maybe they're making 250. They want to take home 500. Okay. My exercise would be, do you have a budget of how you're going to spend the 250 or how you're going to spend the 500? Okay. Because not that is, you can't, that doesn't count. You've got to have an actual number um, and you got to know where the money's going to go. And then the other exercise that I walk people through, because again, I don't, it's not about how much money you make. It's about what you're going to do with it is, okay, realistically, if we look at that budget and you play out that year and you spend all the money in that place, is, is that going to actually provide what you want? I believe that people look to money to provide peace and uh, peace of mind. Um, and this is like an exercise of, okay, pretend like you just did all of that. There's probably some excitement because you might have a nicer car or taking a cooler vacation. Has it created the, the fulfillment and peace of mind? Um, and if so, then, then it's like worthwhile to go after. If not, you're going to just going to run down a path and what's going to happen is you're going to want more next year or whatever. So there's, there's an element in that of know that money is just a medium of exchange and you got to know what you're spending it on. Um, and, and you can probably be just as happy and just as fulfilled with less than what you think. And when you write it down, um, what it does is it has you say, Oh, you know what? I keep chase like, um, there's, there's a story. Um, I'm going to try and roll through these quickly. So we don't have time, but there's a, there's a story. I don't know if you heard this one about it's uh, like a Brazilian folk story about the businessman and the fisherman. Have you heard this? I, th I think so. If you're, so I'll keep going. And yeah, yeah, I'll go through real quick. So there's a businessman vacationing in Brazil. Fisherman comes back in. It's like middle of the afternoon, um, maybe around lunchtime and says, uh, comes back in with a bunch of fish and the businessman says, Hey, uh, how long did it take you to catch those fish? Cause he had quite a few fish and the guy's like, I don't know, not very long. Um, he's like, well, what are you doing the rest of the day? He's like, well, I'm going to go home. I'm going to eat lunch with my family. I'm going to go play with my kids. I'm going to take a nap with my wife. Then I'm going to go hang out with my friends tonight. And then I'll, tomorrow I'll go back out and I'll go fishing again. And the businessman's like, oh dude, 
I could help you out. I, I have like, I'm a business PhD. Here's what you got to do. Uh, you got to stay out longer so you can catch more fish than you can sell and you can make more money. And he's like, well, why would I do that? Like, well, if you make more money, you can buy more boats and have more people go out and they can do the fishing for you. And then you can get way more fish and you can sell to make way more money. Why would I do that? Well, then you can create a corporate headquarters and you can move to the city. And then at some point when it makes sense, you can put it on the public, you know, you take it public and then you can sell. And it's like, yeah, and then what would I do? It's like, well, then you could go relax and hang out, you know, on a, in a, on a beach island and hang out with your kids and hang out with your wife. He's like, isn't that what, isn't that what I'm doing right now? Um, <laughs> And, and, and the principle I love, like you can look at it and that could be a cheesy story. Here's the principle that I love about it. I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs, I have a sneaking suspicion that there are a lot of entrepreneurs that when not checked, what they're doing is they're creating a whole bunch of work to try and get to something that's sort of nebulous that they haven't defined. And what they're doing is they're sacrificing the very thing that they want, convincing themselves that they've got to go do all of this other stuff to get back to what they already have sitting right in front of them. And so, so the, the balance in this idea of I want to define my income is uh, like, like my kids are eight to 16. I got two years left with my daughter. I got 10 years left with my son. Um, I, could, I could say that I'm going to do all this stuff and I could sacrifice my time with them. My kid will never be eight again, ever. Um, so like I've got, I've got now and what I'm going to create with my kid is not the function of money, although money enables some of it. Um, and it doesn't mean that I'm not working. So, so there's a spectrum here, right? I'm not saying, oh, well, give all it away and just go hang out with your kids. What I'm saying is like decide how much money you actually need to provide the lifestyle that will actually have you be content and, and at peace. Decide it ahead of time. And then you go create that. And, um, and, and don't like, you know, for me, there's always, the thing I always struggle with is, well, I don't want to, like I have a number, but I don't want to stop there. Like, I'm like, yeah, you don't stop there. If you can make more money in the same amount of time, cool, but just be really clear on what you're trying to create. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I wanna, I'm gonna pull back off that tangent, but first one is income. Second one is time freedom. Those two kind of go together. Time freedom is the gate that says, look, I'll make as much money as I can within this allocation of time. Uh, generally speaking, I have it written down so I know, like I, I can I could weekly go back and look at it and be like, hmm, the last couple of weeks, uh, like my first couple of weeks of December this year were out of whack. And it was like, okay, that's why, and I think I told you before we recorded, but I have an appointment that says I'm no business travel between uh, Thanksgiving and the new year next year. And that was a result of, it doesn't line up with what my personal time um, requirement is for the business. So, so in return, there's income, there's time, uh, there is what your role is in the company. Like, what do you want to be doing that will actually fulfill you? And then like, what's your vision for the company itself? Like, in order for this thing to work for you, is this say, um, it's, it's, it's my show. I want to be the main man. Is this, I want to build a, a team of people that are doing work. Like, like, what do you want out of it? And actually decide up front, this is what I want out of it. Um, and that is the very core, before anything else, that's a very core foundational element is this is the return for me that makes this thing work. So that would be, uh, again, all, all wrapped up under this bigger principle of identity. That's like big element number one is write that thing down. And if it were me, I would read the thing every single day, probably five times in the morning until you have it memorized. And then I'd still read it every single day. Dude, I love this. I freaking love this for many reasons. Number one, I love this because what you just said there, you know, I took some notes, but one of our brand promises, if you will, is we want to double clinicians' income without working more hours. Now, how they work the hours up to them, and there's probably going to be some education and, and managerial and inspiration and casting your vision. But I always hate when when consultants come in and go, "Oh yeah, I'll double your business," and they come back with like, "You just hop on this bike and pedal faster, brother. We got this." And it's like, no, no, no. 
I've got this. You've got a fat check and I've got a tired ass body and uh, no time with my kids and an angry wife. Like that's what I've got. So it's, it's like the cheesy, I always, I hate that. I'm like, dude, come on. You're, you're telling me you can't even dress it up enough to say it's basically not just double the number of patients you see or, or increase the number of hours you're open. Like it's, it's so ridiculous. But anyway, so you made, you had a comment and this has come up a bunch, but in there, you made, you made the statement, you need to decide what those are. You need to decide what these numbers are. You need to decide what your role is. All right. Again, I think there are a lot of sentences that you use in business and a lot of words that, that uh, get overlooked, but what does it mean to decide? Oh, if that's right. the key so, to this. I know, but we got to cover this because that's the key to this whole thing. Everybody can write down whatever they want, but what is it to decide? Okay. So I've got a couple more elements of identity that I was going to go over and then get to decide. So do we want to do a cliffhanger to keep people around till the end? I'm going to talk about decide in a minute. Um, but I want to talk about the other elements that you've got to put into identity and then go to decide. Does that work? Everybody listening. This is why I said we can go all day. Like this is, <laughs> this is the goodness, baby. This is like, I've got like, my eye on the, I got my eye on the clock though. So I'm gonna, it's I'll, like you walk into 31 flavors and the, there's a bucket of mint chip at front and you're like, Ooh, that's good. And then they all of a sudden pull back the curtain. They go, we've got 30 other flavors. Do you want to try yeah. them? And you're like, Oh my God, I have yeah. arrived. So, okay. So, so, we'll, so go we'll, the way you think it's, it's going to make most sense for our listeners. Like let's yes, give them I, something they can actually use today. So I wanna, I'm going to lay out the things that, that I believe you'll want to decide on, and then I'll talk about just what I've learned about deciding. Um, so the first one, underneath identity, if you, were, if you were mapping this out in your notes, you would draw identity, and then below that bullet point number one is your return. And actually, the way I would draw it is, it would be at the very, I would draw them like a stack. So there's going to be four elements I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to roll out. I think it'll end up being four. And the very bottom one is, what, what is your return? As a bonus on the return, by the way, it's also really valuable if your company has a return for the company itself. What I mean by that is that you can talk to your team about what it is that you're trying to build for them. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit ClinicGymHybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's ClinicGymHybrid.com. So there's a, there's a way to, because the first part is just like you as the entrepreneur, it's not even, you're not even into the business really. It's like, no, for me as an entrepreneur, here's what I've got to get. You can create another version of that. That is, hey, as a team, here's what we're trying to build. Like, um, I, like there are a lot of agencies that uh, the agency owner makes a lot of money and he's got a lot of lower cost people on their team. And, uh, and, and he, and they kind of run, you know, they, they take advantage of those people and they, they might turn through them. Like, I'm really clear that what I'm trying to build and what gets the, the team excited is I have, I have, uh, I have a vision of what the return for the team will be and the type of lifestyle that we want to create for the people that are working here that, you know, crosses the same thing, money, time, freedom, flexibility, type of work, like all those same types of things, but I'm doing it for the company so that when I go to recruit people, I can say, Hey, and by the way, this is the kind of place uh, that we're trying to build. It's the return. And we're all saddled up together to try and make that a reality. That's, that's the idea. So, so there's return on top of return. Uh, the next element is purpose. And you may have heard purpose. It's another one of those words that people talk about a lot. Um, for me, purpose means something very, very specific. It has nothing to do. Um, well, I'll just say what it has to do with. It has everything to do with who you're serving, the, the, uh-huh. the actual person you're serving, why you're serving them and why you're uh-huh. serving them is not because they have a problem. Um, you're serving them because there's something about those types of people 
that relates or connects with you. And there's some discovery to do there, but I guarantee if you dive in deep, deep enough, you'll be able to find a connection and you can create that there's a connection to why we're serving these people. We serve entrepreneurs. I know exactly why. I love everything about entrepreneurs. It goes back to what I said is one of my core fundamental beliefs is we're on this earth to serve people. I also believe that it's our job to become the best version of ourselves so that we can serve people. And I believe that we are ultimately responsible for our own outcomes. And those three things are like the epitome of entrepreneurship for me. That's why we serve entrepreneurs. So first element in purpose is who are you serving and why? Second element is uh, what are their challenges? Like, like what's in the way that you're actually like, what are the challenges that they're facing? The third is then what is your solution? How do you help them solve it? It's not the products you sell. Um, it's just your approach to what you're solving. So like you mentioned, you help people double their income without increasing the time that they spend, right? That was right. First yep. version of that. So you've got some challenges that you could describe. So, so you got some challenges you can describe and say, hey, look, here's, here's the current lay of the land here, are the challenges that they have. Here's the outcome that we're going to create if they go through our products and services. That's the solution that you're bringing. Right. Um, and then the fourth part is your philosophy. It's what you believe in. Like what is the business believe in? What does it hang its, its entire set of products and services on about how it's going to go serve those people to help them overcome that problem? Um, so like I mentioned ours at the beginning, uh, which is like, I just, I 100% believe, it, you know, if I go super deep, it's the idea of minutia can be, uh, minutia is what holds us back from creating our impact. And that can be handled and resolved through frameworks and systems. If I make it less kind of broadly applicable and more specific, it would be uh, if you want to have consistent results in your business, you've got to have consistency in your process. So when you come to us, we're going to help you organize and systematize and automate to the extent that it's possible, how you convert leads into clients, and then also the process that you go through. So that's our, that's our core philosophy. Um, and then at the very end, the very last element that's in purpose is what are you really up to? So like, like we have products and services that help people do that. Um, and I found there's a tremendous amount of power when you can get really clear on like, what are you really trying to do that people won't actually pay for? Um, so you have to come up with a product or service, but, um, but the product or service is really a gateway for you to be able to do that. Um, and, and this one for some people is a little bit harder to wrap their head around. I'll just give you an example because it makes it more concrete. Um, the whole thing that we do at Sixth Division for me is about elevating entrepreneurs to be leaders, like to be more leaders and to see how they can lead their team and how they can lead in their family. It literally is just a gateway for me to be able to do that. But, but I'm not selling leadership. I'm mm -hmm. selling, Hey, look, come out and I'll make this happen. And I know right. that if I do my job, you're going to end up with more freedom and space to, to think and create in your business, which means I can come in and I can influence how you go do that. Um, Cause I've got some ideas around leadership. Like I can change how you show up as a I can change how you show up as a parent. I can change how you show up as a leader in the business. I can, I, can, I can influence how you move through the world to have you be more valuable to the rest of the world. That's what I'm really up to, but it's not something that I put a price tag on. It's just like, that's what I'm really up to. And it's not something you can declare at the start, hey, we're going to change the way people show up to their husbands, yeah, no. wives, and, and No, it's sort of like you, you architect your, all of your products and services to create that that happens, um, and you, you almost never talk about it. It's more like, uh, here's what it is. So you asked me before we started recording, um, uh, I, was, I, I mentioned that I had this moment where I was stopped and reflect on what we had created over six years. And you said, well, what was the biggest thing? Uh, when I looked back and reflected, the biggest thing is I feel like what I have been able to do is I've been able to impact how people show up as leaders. And, and leadership for me means something, but I've just, I've, I've elevated the way, I believe that I've elevated the way that people show up in the world. And, and I never sold that. Um, but when I like, like, if you want to know the thing that, that has me be most fulfilled, it's that I can look back and be like, yeah, I did that. Like, I don't, I don't care how many makeovers we sell or how many people in our elite program I do because I want to make money and provide for the company and all that. But what, like at the end of the day, what like checks off the, 
yeah, like I'm making a difference is the answer is the fact that I'm actually accomplishing the answer to that last question under purpose, which is what are you really like, what are you really up to? What are we really creating? So, so you've got, you know, so you got return and then you've got purpose and purpose is, is not focused on what the business is going to become. It's not focused on what you're going to get out of it. Purpose is the reason for which you exist. And that is to serve somebody and create an outcome for them. And the way that you do it will create some bigger outcome. And when you can identify all of those elements that I listed, um, it is a really powerful statement that will, if you've done it right, it will get you excited to wake up in the morning. And I don't mean that as like, uh, oh, it should theoretically. I mean, if you've done it, if it does not literally get you and your team excited to wake up in the morning, uh, you didn't do it right. If you do it right, it will like you will jump out of bed and be ready to go. And a lot of people, they write those state, they write those documents like a purpose document, like that's what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't actually do it. Um, oh no, they're dragging out of bed. They're, they're like, oh, I have to do this. Like, oh, but, I, but I've got to do this. So when you, when you dial that in right, it's like, no, this is the impact that I'm actually making. I'm actually serving people. And value is created when both sides win. That's why the very foundation of the business is that you get clear on the value for you, which is your return. And then you, your purpose is defining the value for your client. And when both of those can work, value is created. Mm-hmm. And, and they're excited because you're producing an outcome and you're excited because it's producing for you uh, what it is that you want. So, so, so there's a, there's a 90 minute documentary kind of ties together a lot of things that Brad was just talking about called the karate kid, the original yes. Mr. Miyagi needed some chores done. Danielson wanted to uh, learn karate. They got value from both, right? Miyagi got his chores done and, uh, and Daniel got his, uh, his karate training. But like you said, what are you really trying to do here? He was trying to make a man out of Daniel. But he can never said, you know, the reason Cobra Kai kicked your butt was you need to be a man. He had to guide him through a process, which was painting a fence, which turned into karate, which turns into the tournament, which turns into winning the tournament, which turns into you don't even need to fight. Like, that's the deal. You're, you're now a man. You don't need to fight these guys anymore. That's yep. the whole lesson here, right? Yep. So anyways, the original, not the crap they labeled as Karate Kid 2, 3, 4, or 5. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's, that's my little uh, yeah. uh, callback to 1986. Okay. So, just so we got return and purpose. Yep. We got return and purpose. There's another one that's in the middle. That's not really a part of identity, but this is where the foundational elements come into play. The next thing you check on top of that is actually defining your product menu and then your financial model. And you'll notice what happens is um, when you have your return and your purpose defined and defined powerfully, uh, it will probably change what actually goes into your products or services and the way like it just changes them because they have to align to those two things. They have to go create what it is that you said that you're going to create. So you would go revisit, you know, if you're in an existing business, you revisit your products and services and then your financial model to make sure that one, your financial model is going to generate the return for you that you want. Uh, two, that your products and services are architected to deliver both the solution to the problem that you said you're solving as well as architected to be delivered in a way that it will produce uh, and deliver what you're actually up to in your business. So you've got to go architect right. those and price those accordingly. So I got to ask you a question here yep. because we're talking to a bunch of people who have service businesses, right? It's like, what do you do? Oh, I, I offer chiropractic and everybody's a little bit different and I do a little bit, I polish it up. I add a little, little this, little that. I don't really know how I do it and I don't really know what to charge, blah, blah, blah. Uh, can you just give us 60 seconds on what Brad Martineau has learned about a service business, aka chiropractic, physical therapy, and the idea of what are your product offerings or your product menu, getting it away from looking like a freaking all-you-can-eat buffet. Um, so, so I don't, I don't, I actually don't know that the product menu. Well, okay, yeah. So, all right, let me back up. The the product menu is um, is is not necessarily going to be the thing that distinguishes you, but the way you get away from look like an all-you-can-eat buffet is in the packaging of your services. So. Um, 
like we have an agency and it's, it's full of services. And the key is you want to make your services look like their packages. Meaning when somebody can come in, they can buy a package. And my fundamental philosophy in this is you have to create a package that when somebody will come buy it, it gives you, it affords you the ability to actually fulfill your purpose. So what a lot of people do is they'll create a package of their service offering, um, but they're afraid to charge enough to actually do their job well. So they charge under, they're not able to, it doesn't give them actually, it doesn't actually give them the environment to go make the impact that they want to make to actually solve the problem. And then they have clients who are not excited because they didn't get the result that they wanted. And it was because the business owner didn't create the offering in the first place to actually, it didn't create an environment for that to actually become a success. So, so for me, it's it all it, it, like how you define those and build those uh, two principles that I would keep in mind. One, and you have your purpose document defined, you have to create them in a way that will allow you to do that. Don't fall into the trap of, oh, but if pe- people won't, if, if people won't pay for you to be able to go do your job in a way that it produces the result, that's called, there's not really a business there. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, Hey, I want to, I want to yeah. make, I want to make X amount of money. I want to serve, or I want to serve these people. And I want to help this kid. Let's just say it's a teacher. I want to teach this kid um, math, but they won't pay more than $5. So I can only afford, afford to spend 30 minutes with them. They're not going to learn math. It, it is a broken model from the beginning. So you have to create an environment. Like you got to create a game that would have you actually win in the first place. Yes. If you, if you think your patients, I'll just talk to my, our people here. If you think your patients are going to be, you're going to make recommendations on fitness or rehab at home and that they're actually going to do it. They're not getting what you want them to get out of it. They're not getting what they want to get out of it. You have, it's a broken model. So yeah. figure something else out, AKA at a gym to your clinic, but we can get past that. I'm just saying like, that's why we're in a gym. It's not because there's a lot of aspects that come in, but if, if you don't provide that, it's like, you are an agency, but I have a feeling that it means a lot to you to have people come into your facility and spend the time so you can get them from point A to point Z without hitting the hiccups of, I got to pick up my kid from school and I got to do this and I got a screaming, or I got a you know, customer on the phone, blah, blah. We have to get them past a certain point for them to actually be able to do what you envision them doing. Yeah. And I've got to, I've got to charge enough for us to be in business, to be able to deliver it. And I also know same way, if I if somebody comes out and does what you alluded to before, and as a consultant, I describe what I think they ought to go do, and then I give them the instruction manual to go do it, I only know from personal experience that the success rate on that is slim to zero and negative. So I've got to create it in a way where like, look, if you're going to come work with me, I'm, going to, I'm professing to the world that this is what I'll help you accomplish. And we do. And the way we do it is we're going to help you see like that you've got to work with us. And, and, and our offering is architected in a way where you are going to spend a little bit more money, but we're actually going to be able to create the result. And the reason why everybody has nightmare stories of working with agencies, in my opinion, is because they don't charge enough and they don't have a system in place to actually make sure the result gets produced. They're just selling something and then delivering. That's just, it's a, it's a common trend. So, all right. All right. So, so let me jump to the last couple. Then I'll talk about deciding because I know we're getting towards the, the end of the time. I got time to go long. If you do, Brad, if not, we'll, we can find a time to uh, come back to it. No, it's up I'm to good. you. I'm good. All right, cool. Yes. So, go baby. Go. So, so those are the foundational elements and, and those, what they really define, if you look at return and purpose and then how that supports you defining your model and packaging up your products and services. Um, oh, one other thing on packaging your products and services really quickly. Uh, one of the ways that you distinguish yourself is, um, that you, you stop worrying so much about the thing that you sell and you focus on the person that you sell it to. You're serving a human. Say that again, please. You, you spend less time worrying about and focusing on the thing that you sell and you spend more time focusing on the person that you're serving. 
it'll only fundamentally change your entire business. What a lot of people do is they say, oh, I'm, I'm in a chiropractic and then I sell my packages this way. And they define themselves and their, and their practice through the service that they decided to create. And everything in the business changes when you recognize that you have a human being coming into your facility and, um, and they have something that they want. It's not chiropractic work. That is just the thing that they have. That's the thing that they have concluded will eliminate an obstacle that they believe will get them to the thing that they want. So when you elevate what you're actually up to by saying, no, I'm serving people and they're coming to get this service, but this service unlocks something for them. And you start to focus more on what am I actually unlocking for people? What am I actually creating as an outcome for people? Then you've got, it'll, it'll open up more creativity about how you could go about delivering your services in a different way to produce that outcome, as opposed to just copying what somebody came up with a long time ago, which is probably the way most chiropractic companies are built and run because, you know, we're not focusing on people. So focus on right. people. That's why it's failing too, but yes, but exactly. Go ahead. Yep. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, so we got through those. If you look at those, uh, what those actually help you define is what you're going to do. Um, so it defines, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help people with this. And then I got my products and services. I'm going to help with this. Uh, what it doesn't address is how. This is where values, uh, the idea of values comes into play is values actually describe um, how we're going to go about running this business and how we're going to interact. Um, and I would say, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce two different concepts beside that I, that I think replace the idea of values. Um, and so I don't talk about values. I talk about philosophies and I talk about behaviors. Um, and so, and I don't, I think when I, when you were at that event, I actually talked about values. I described them mostly the same way. Uh, this is an evolution of that. Um, but I found that it's easier if we just let, let's just remove values from the conversation. You do not need values. You don't need to define your core values in your, in your company. Uh, you define your, the return that you want, and then you define the purpose. That's the soul and the identity and what your business is up to. And then, um, you define your philosophies and you define your behaviors, and the philosophies are um, the philosophies are basically what you believe. You could also call them beliefs um, that, that exist in the business. So, and I'll just give an example again because I think examples help to make things uh, more concrete. Uh, like in our office here, I have a fundamental philosophy um, that I don't believe in full-time managers. Like I don't believe in people that manage full-time. I believe that everybody should be doing should be doing work. Um, which also means I don't hire people that need to be managed. I hire people that are looking to be led. It's, a, it's just a different approach. It's a fundamental philosophy. So any team that we have, there will be a leader on the team, but the leader will, one, not be a manager. they will be a leader. And two, uh, they will be doing the work in the trenches with the people that they're leading. So that's a fundamental philosophy. And the reason why that's important is um, as I look at building a team in my organization, uh, when I go to hire people, that's one of the things I'm going to check against. I want to make sure that I'm not hiring someone who has a philosophy that, no, that, you know, uh, you got to have people that, that, like, if you don't manage people, then things are going to go to crap. It's more of a philosophy like, no, people are stupid and you got to have someone to manage them. I'm like, no, they're not. They're insanely bright and capable if you unlock it through leadership. And, um, and I've seen all sorts of bad things that happen when people become full-time managers. They're just like, I think it's useless. Um, so that's a philosophy. So uh, what you start to do is you start to identify like, uh, what, what do I believe as like a philosophy? That's just, it's not, it doesn't actually talk to what I do. It talks to how I'm going to go about doing it. It's more of like, what are the lenses that I carry with me um, that I believe are important that I've got, um, like I just, with philosophies, you can't, it, it's one of those things that's, that's like really slippery. You can't sit and say, okay, I'm going to come up with all my philosophies. You start paying attention because your philosophies are manifest in your decisions and in your behavior. And you start to ask the question, well, hmm, why did I do 
that's interesting. What, why did I do that? Or why do I, why do I believe that? Or, you know, whatever, whatever the case is, you start paying attention and you'll start to formulate some beliefs that start to create a lens, which is, this is how I look at the world. And I want to find partners, clients, uh, and, um, and employees and team members that, um, that share a similar philosophy. Otherwise we're just going to butt heads all day long. Um, and I, the way I do it is I've got a little journal app that I use. Um, and I have a section called philosophies and I just start writing them down as I'm like, Oh, that's one. And then over time I'll go back and I'll revisit them and I'll kind of refine them. So they almost become, if you want a really good example about a document, your philosophies, there's a book by, uh, the co-founders of Basecamp. used to be 37 signals called, okay. called rework. Um, okay. rework is a collection of their philosophies. That's all it is. It's phenomenal. It's like, I don't know, maybe 50 or 60 philosophies. Each philosophy is about a page and a half to two pages. One, it's mm-hmm. a phenomenal read. And if you go look at it, well, you'll recognize like, yeah, they're just clear on what they believe about how the world works and how business works. And it becomes the, the lanes. Like you talked about drawing lines. Um, the, the purpose and the return, those draw lines about what you're going to do. Philosophies draw lines about how you're going to do them. Okay. All right. Sense. Yep. Makes sense. Um, how, we, how we execute this. Good. Yes. So like, uh, like, um, anyway, so I've, I got a bunch of philosophies, but we'll, it'll be another tangent if I start. Going <laughs> so, so identify this, these will all be in Brad's memoirs, by the way, uh, released, uh, 2028. Yeah. So somewhere along the line. So, so philosophies. And then the other side, this is more, the other side is, is, is closer to probably what people are trying to grasp for when they define values, um, their behaviors. There's a phenomenal slide share presentation by, uh, I think the founder or CEO of Netflix, where it talks about values and he has a statement in there that says, Values are behaviors that the company finds valuable and will reward, will either hire to and fire to. So instead of calling them values and making it uh, nebulous, they're just behaviors. These, like, it's, it's all, if you think about it, values or behaviors, rather, it's a, it's a set of identified principles that, that correlate directly to behavior that the company is agreeing and saying, this is how we will choose to operate inside this organization. You brought up an example at the beginning of like, yeah, you ever had somebody who did something that just really bothered you, like a team member or an employee? The reason why it bothered you is because it violated uh, one of your behaviors, one of your values. It violated a core behavioral philosophy that you have about how things ought to be done. And so when you create, um, when you create your values at the top of this, basically as people come into your organization, you're identifying, hey, here's how we do things here. So I've got some mm-hmm. philosophies, which is more how we see the world. The values or the behaviors are um, here are three to five core principles. And then you actually describe a very specific um, let me flip. I'll, I'll give an example of this too. You describe very specific examples of what that principle would look like in behavior so that um, the point of it is anything that happens in the business, you want to be able to say, hey, you did a really good job at that. And that lined up with our behavioral value of this. Or uh, look, the way you handle this doesn't actually work. And the reason why it doesn't work is because it violates our core behavior uh, that we agreed to at the beginning. Right. Yeah, I, I let me put this in some. Con- I was at a. I presented at an army base. I know that you've spoken for American Dream U, yep. and uh, I was at an army base. And up on the wall, it says the Warriors Creed. I think, and, and forgive me, I'm not in the army. I never been a veteran, and I respect those who have been. But uh, you know, it said mission first, and what that means. That's a, a good way of saying, hey, listen, we have to complete this mission, and in doing so, it may mean that at some point you need to lay down your life. But everybody agrees that's how we will operate. Is that I'm not going to operate in a way that's going to preserve me. I'm going to make sure the mission is achieved, which is so powerful in two words. I'm like, oh my God, they're changing the way human beings fundamentally think of survival. Yes. 
It's yeah. So and I, as another example, I'll, just, I'll give one here and then we'll, we'll talk about decide. Um, so one of the, one of the behaviors um, that we have here at sixth division, and, and this is a, yeah, one of the behaviors we have here is the title of it is give a damn service, uh, give a damn is in quotes. And um, then there's a sentence that says, we actually give a damn and we're committed to creating amazing results and experiences. And then I have a quote. So this is like my format of how I always do behaviors is there's a name, there's a one sentence description, then there's a quote that captures the essence. And it says, like Walt Disney said, do what you do so well, they will come again and bring their friends. And then I have uh, a section where I have full bu- four bullet points of here's what this actually looks like. Uh, you are constantly looking for ways to improve the experience we deliver. Number two, you feel compelled and responsible to make sure we fix any subpar experiences you observe, even if it's quote unquote, not your job. Uh, three, at the first hint of a problem, you immediately jump into action, which most likely looks like picking up the phone, and then you monitor the situation until it has been resolved. Four, when necessary and prudent, you find ways to override systems and bend policies in order to create and deliver give a damn level service. So, you know, you get three to five of those that are like the core. This is how we behave here in, in, in whatever we do that we've decided through return purpose and our, our menu and our model, uh, whatever we're going to do, this is how we do it. We deliver it this way. And when I walk into the office, this is what I will expect to see. And so when I come in and somebody like, you know, I've got a, an office manager who's following up and handling a client's issue that has nothing to do with them. It's like, dude, I love it because you're living up to the value of give a damn service. And if I got somebody else who's like, hey, somebody had a problem, but they never follow up or follow through um, or, or if they hide behind the Well, no, our policy is is this when we can make a really logical argument. It's like, yeah, I know our policy is this, but in this specific situation, we can bend it. Then there's a place to correct behavior. So, um, so anyway, going back to, going back to values, values uh, for me actually are better defined as behaviors. Philosophies uh, balance the other side of values out where it's more, this is just like, a, this is more of a lens of how we look at the world. The behaviors are how we actually go behave in the world as we go to accomplish our purpose so that we can then get the return that we're looking for. So those four, uh, for me, are what, when you identify all the elements on there, and, and I, you know, we only have, what, 45 minutes or whatever in this, so I didn't really go through like all the details. You get those defined, and what it does is it creates and packages up an identity where you can move confidently into the world. So look, I know exactly what I'm going to go do. I've got a strong belief about how I'm going to go do it, and I know that this, I know that this works, and I know what I believe in, and I know um, how I'm going to behave. And this is the ship that I'm riding to go create uh, the outcome that I want. It reminds me of a quote by Will Smith. He basically said, uh, I know what I believe and that's all that I need. Like, I know it. I'm confident in it and I don't need anything else. I know what I believe and now I can go forth and I can, I, you know, I can go make an impact in the world. And that's what, that's what this creates. So uh, to kind of come full circle back to your question at the beginning about uh, what do I think about core values? I think core values is a container um, that really serve, and within that, there are these four elements that when you define them well, it creates a ridiculous amount of clarity um, so that when you show up every day to go do work, uh, your work is intentional and you're not, you know, doing what I said before, being addicted to daily trivia, but you're very intentional in the work that you're doing. You're very intentional in how you do the work um, so that you're actually living in alignment with yourself. And that's what ultimately produces what we're all after, which is the contentment and the, um, the peace of mind uh, that we're making a difference. So. Simple. How hard could this be? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what, you know, so it's, it becomes obvious though, how deep this is as to why people don't sit down take the time to, you know, actually get this done, which is, it's tough. Like, I don't want anybody out there to think that we're just saying, oh yeah, uh, write down your core values. This isn't something you do over lunch one day. This is intense, deep, heavy, 
you know, this is, if you're not crying and elated all in the same, uh, hour, a couple hour block, like you're not anywhere close to him. Yeah. If you're, if this, if this doesn't tap into remote, like this is the element of, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was, that's what I was going to add is like, yeah. And, um, I'll make it sound like, oh yeah, it's just, it's just simple. No, this is, it's real. Like your, your return and then your purpose. And, and as you write your purpose, your philosophy and what you're really up to, it has to be real and you may not have it right now, which means you have to create it. That's where the power comes is that it's real. Like for me, I am about serving entrepreneurs. That's not a statement so that I can rally some people around it and go make some money. It is who I am. It is what I'm about. It is what I want to create. And then when I go through my values, that is who I am. And so there's an element of this where I think there are, there are some, I have seen people uh, that pretend like there's, no, I just go like, there's a checklist of things. I just go do these things and it all works. It doesn't work if it's not real. Like this has to actually be your business is a literal extension of you and you're defining it and you're breathing life into it. And you can't do that unless it actually, it's like, it's gotta be a part of you. It's gotta be real. So it is, um, as you go do this, uh, it will take time and, and it will, it like, it's, I don't know. It's just, a, it's the thing that create, you want to separate your business from everybody else, make your business be real. That's it. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's real. Like people know it when they come in and your whole team will be operate differently because it's real. Um, and people will wonder like, like, well, they want to work at your, like all that stuff happens, but it has to be, it has to be genuine. It has to be real. So, and it just takes work. It's just the way it is. There's no, there's no shortcut. Right. What is the, uh, you said a quote one time. I remember the only shortcut is doing it right the first time. <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. yes. Well, exactly. I guess with core, core values or whatever you want to call these core ideals, uh, you're going to, you're going to do this over and over and, and it's a discovery process throughout your entire business, right? Um, yeah. I mean, they'll, the reality is they'll, they'll morph and the morphing will be a better understanding of what they are. Um, in some cases, in some cases, I do believe that you can evolve to where um, you held a behavior to be valuable. And then you, you know, you grew up like heaven forbid that we all only believe one thing forever. Like I'm, I'm glad I don't believe what I believe when I was 22. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, so some of them will evolve for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but, but not like a, it's not like a 180 degree change. It's more of like it evolves over time. Cause you evolve over time. And again, these are all yeah. just tension is what are your core philosophies? What are your core behaviors that you value? And that's, what's going to dictate how you want the company to run. So you get people that are, that think the same way and you're not, you're not, it's not a declaration of what you believe is right or wrong. It's a declaration of this is just who I am. And this is the company that I want to create. And the people that are going to come here, have got to, they got to fit to this. So, so we can actually get work done and not want to kill each other. Right. Oh. All right. Okay. So, so I only got about two and a half hours before I got to pick up the kids from school. So let's open up the, uh, to one more question because it should fill up that time. I'm just kidding. Uh, again, I'll go back. And I think that the word decide it affects every single thing about business. It affects everything in your life. It affects everything about your health, about your kids, about everything. Can you help our listeners understand that word and what, what it means to decide these goals? Yes, I, I will describe what I understand decide to mean. Um, and I'm going to start with a quote. Uh, I think this one's by Dale Carnegie, maybe. Uh, he said, um, action breeds confidence and courage. Inaction breeds doubt and fear. If you want to conquer fear, don't sit around and think about it. Go out and get busy. I'm going to say that again. Just let it sink in. Action breeds confidence and, and uh, sorry, action breeds uh, confidence and courage. Inaction breeds doubt and fear. If you want to conquer fear, don't sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. 
So um, I'm, I'm, I'm a student of how to manufacture success in life. And by success, I don't just mean monetary. I mean, like, I want to know what levers to pull. I don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy into the vision that life is a duck-duck-goose game and hopefully the guy with the success wand comes around and taps goose on my head. Um, I want to know how to manufacture it. And so part of this is, um, like, I, I look at, okay, if action breeds confidence and courage, which I believe 100%, your ability to get into action is what will create confidence and courage moving forward. Uh, what is it that like? What is it that gets somebody into action? Like, what is the thing that happened um, the moment before you said we're gonna di- we're, we're going to um, create a menu in the morning? What was the thing that happened the moment before I actually went and created? The, sorry, not before you you said you were going to do it. Before you did it. What was the thing that happened? You know, all of us have gone through the spurts where we're not working out and then we start working out. What was the thing that happened right before the more, the first morning when I actually got up and I actually went like that? I actually got into action. What was it? And so like, like this is my brain. This is kind of my brain work. So I'm like, all right, well, I believe that um, if I want to solve, if I have any fear, any doubt, the key is to get into action. Well, what is the, the very first step in action? And it's deciding. And um, what I what I discovered is that there's a difference, and I've, I've created some distinction and language around it, so I wouldn't get caught up in the language as much as the idea. Uh, there's a difference between deciding and making a decision. And here's what it looks like for me. So um, most of us, what we do is we make decisions, which is why we take freaking forever uh, to get into action, because usually um, our, when we decide, it's more of like, it, it, it almost happens to us instead of us proactively deciding. Here's what making a decision looks like. Uh, let's say we have two options in front of us. Um, we either consciously or subconsciously, we'll start to create a list of pros and cons for each of those options. We, it's, it's how we just, dis- it's the decision making process. Um, and when I say making decisions, so, so let me clarify too, making decisions is the less powerful, less effective way to get to a decision. Deciding is a much more effective and, and more proactive and, and powerful approach. So on the making decision side, uh, two options come up. And I start to create pros and cons of each of them. And then inevitably what happens is in my mind or on paper, um, I'll go down like the list of the pros for option one and I start to get excited. You, you may, you, you may, uh, this may feel uh, familiar to some of you. Um, I start to get excited and then I'm like, oh, but wait a minute. And then I list the cons because it's not a perfect option. Um, and then as I start to get into the cons, I'm like, oh, but you know what? If I did this over here and then I'll list all the pros of the next option and typically those pros directly counterbalance the cons of the first option. And then we get down to the cons and we start saying, okay, but this isn't perfect. It's these cons. And in a lot of cases, those cons um, are solved by the pros to the first option. And what we start to do is if you draw these out like a pro and con chart, you start doing a figure eight. I call it mental ping pong. (laughs) And it's like, oh, I could do this. Oh, but that's not going to work. But I could do this. Oh, but that's not going to work. But I could do this. And we literally, we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the reason why is what we're waiting for is we're trying to create, we're trying to to pretend like decisions are the result of a mathematical equation. I just add up the pros of one, subtract the cons, add up the pros of the other, subtract the cons. It's just going to tell me what to go do. Um, And sometimes that works because it's so obvious. Um, Even in those situations, I think it's a less powerful decision. So I want to, I want to contrast that. Uh, Here's why the reason why it's less powerful is because when your decision is the result of that, you are delegating the responsibility of the decision to the logic which means you're not actually taking responsibility for the decision. It's the logic that led to the decision and you're not actually committed to what you're going to do. It's a external, lo- external locus of control, right? Yeah. Yes. Conning yeah. it off. 
Yeah. So the flip side of that is the way that you decide is you still do pros and cons. You still take all that, that information into consideration and then you choose one. Like you just pick and you pick knowing that it might be wrong. You, or, and I don't even like the word wrong because wrong is, is subjective, but you pick knowing that um, maybe it's not the perfect, it doesn't matter. You pick and say, okay, I'm going to go do that. And if that's not it, then I'll change that. We got another core value, what's core value, another philosophy internally. The map appears when the car is in motion. You'll never have enough information to finish anything important before you start it. <laughs> you just won't ever. <laughs> so, so there's an element in this of, I, I look at my options, but instead of me deferring the responsibility of the decision to the logic, I look at the logic, I take it all in and I say, okay, uh, I'm going to go do this. And, and, and the way you can tell that this will have happened is that somebody will come to you later and say, hey, why did you do that? And if you're look, like, if you want to be very literal about it, which you might not be with other people, because sometimes that can be weird. But, but for me, it'd be like, well, if you want to know what I considered before I decided, I'll tell you. But the reason why I did it is because I decided to. Like I didn't, I'm not doing this because of some data. I'm doing this because I own the decision. I own the responsibility of the decision and I'm going to go move forward and actually go do this thing. And, and what I found is uh, most people stall. Again, this kind of goes back to, this is minutia, not knowing like the best way to actually go about coming to a decision. It's like, no, you, you literally, you just decide. So here's the interesting thing. When you decided to do the menu plan for the morning, uh, there came a time where you stopped analyzing and you decided You're like, Oh no, right. I'm, I'm going to do this. And right. my guess is if I could capture you in that moment and I, and I started to, and I started to like investigate, like, well, why? And I started to really probe. Um, you would probably struggle a little bit to say, like you could start to allude to what well, are some of the pros and, and, and you might even mention some of the cons, but ultimately what it would boil down to is, um, no, because I'm going to do it. Like I've decided this is what I'm doing. Yeah, this I was just, I was sick of, of the, the crazy morning schedule and the hecticness and leaving the house in a freaking rush. And I was just like, we have to do something else. I'm, I am doing something else. Period. Yeah. yeah. So, so the key, so and that's what, that's what I mean is most of us, like we get pushed into decisions based on the situation I'm looking at. No, how do I manufacture it where I can create that same level of decision at any time? It doesn't have to wait until the craziness. I can just be like, Oh, you know what? This doesn't work the way that I want. Let me go decide on something. And typically what happens is when, when you're not pushed to the brink of frustration, you can afford to play mental ping pong. When you're pushed to the brink of frustration, which could be, I don't have any money. I don't have any time. Uh, the morning's kicking our, you know, our butt or whatever. You get pushed to the point of frustration. I'm not in the shape that I want. It's like, okay, fine. I'm just going to decide to go do this. Screw it. I don't care if it's not perfect. And what I would have everybody consider is deciding is really powerful when you recognize that whatever you decide is never going to be perfect. We just kid ourselves we just, we kid ourselves by thinking, oh, well, I've gotten to this point. Now I have to go decide. No, I can make that same decision um, three weeks earlier or two weeks earlier just by saying, no, I'm going to just go do this. And if it doesn't work exactly the way that I want, then I'll adjust. Like I'm not making a lifelong decision. No decision is lifelong. I'm going to go adjust and, and I'm going to adapt. So, so deciding for me can be an extremely powerful tool. And for me, deciding is the very first step in getting to action. Action is the thing that breeds confidence, occurs, and actually has this move forward in the world because it's really just a cycle of decide, act, and then iterate, decide, act, iterate, decide, act, iterate. And, and, and that's it. That's the cycle of how you go create anything in life. So to tie this back to, to something we said about 45 minutes ago, when they decide, when our listeners decide on that, what is the return going to be? And then what is your time freedom? It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be 
iterated, massaged, changed as it goes. But you're saying it'd be more powerful for them to decide today, right now, what their return's going to be, rather than just have this nebulous operating system of it's going to be better than it was last year, I hope, and I'm praying, and it'd be cool if it was, and that's awesome, and uh, you know, that's how we're going to operate. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's another, another quick distinction to add on this. I think it'll be valuable. It'll be worth the extra two minutes is there's a difference between stuff that you want and then something you're committed to. Um, and again, it's a distinction in language, so don't get hung up on the words. Uh, the point of it is things that we want. I believe that commitment is an elevated form of want that has the power to draw out discipline. So commitment you is- repeat that? I, I want to make sure I heard that clearly. Commitment is an elevated form of want that has the power to draw out discipline. Want alone, as I'm defining it, this is a distinction in language, want alone does not have the power to bring out discipline. Want hmm. is what you do when you're doing mental ping pong. Um, if you really decided you've committed, which means you're like, look, I'm going to go create this. Here's the first thing I'm going to go do to try it. That's called action. And I'm going to go run it. And look, my guess is, is that your morning, the way that you plan your morning breakfast has probably evolved from the very first time you started it. Yes or no? Uh, yes. I, quite a few things I've learned and, yeah. um, we've yeah. changed it a couple times. Yep. Yeah. So, so, so the point is though, there was a point where like, I believe you decide when you actually get committed to something. Okay. No, I'm committed to it. And now what happens when I'm committed to it, it's no longer a function of, can I make this a reality? It's a function of what will it take to make this a reality? So there's, there's a subtle shift when I, when I get to the point of commitment, which is what happens when I decide um, I'm not looking at the factors that are in the way as if they might beat me. I'm looking at them as like, okay, I just don't know what the answer is. I'm going to go figure it out. And here's one thing I'm going to try right here. And then here's another thing I'm going to try. So, so it shifts the mindset where when you look forward, you're not looking forward with your fingers crossed, hoping that the, the magic wand of success taps around and says, duck, 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 and hits goose on your head. It's like, no, um, I'm going to go figure out whatever I need to figure out in order to make this thing become a reality. And I'm not afraid of that. So you're committed. You're committed to what the outcome is going to be. And then you decide the first step that you're going to take to, to go do that. It's, it's, a, it's a subtle shift in the underlying psychology, but it literally makes all the difference in the world. And it gets you into action. And action is where confidence and courage and excitement comes from. Man. Uh, Brad, I love the fact that you run an agency that has to do with marketing, sales, and technology, all of which we didn't touch on at all <laughs> today. Like, I mean, I don't even think that people know, you know, like the, the name of the CRMs that you, you, you deal with and whatnot. I think it's awesome. Yet, you know, that the fundamental thing that most businesses need is not a way to track leads and sales that inherently at their core, they need a whole lot more than that. And they need to decide and they need to actually, uh, you know, have a soul and they need to have a purpose and philosophy and all of that. So I feel like we could go on for hours, uh, but I know that you have uh, clients you got to get to and, and appointments and whatnot. Uh, I'll tell you what, can we have you back on the, uh, on the show for another interview so we can continue yeah. this great conversation? Yeah, for sure. Yep. To make that happen. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Brad, I want to say thanks a lot for, for being on the clinic gym radio. And, uh, and I think that, man, this stuff is so powerful. I swear we could knock this into, five or six different little slivers and it would be, it would have the ability to double somebody's business. So I really, I really on behalf of all my listeners say thank you. Uh, it was our pleasure having you on today. Wow. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, man. So, uh, on behalf of Brad Martineau, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live, live the life you dreamt of. 
Thanks, Brad. (laughs) You're welcome, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.